the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, it has been a minute. Hi there. It's Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. Uh, but for the next two days or until he can break free of the zip ties and the closet we've got him stuck in. <laughs> it, it has been a minute, hasn't it? Um, boy, leave Craig alone for a couple of months and everything goes and, and just plain old falls apart, doesn't it? It has been crazy these past few months. I tell you what, and we'll talk about it all today and tomorrow. I've got a couple of good guests that are joining us today. And uh, we're going to see if we can't line some things up for tomorrow as well. You know, it's just been nuts. I've been talking to Craig about uh, everything that's been going on for the last couple of days. You know, you move away from radio a bit and you move away from a talk show. And the first thing you need to do is walk away from news. Guys like Craig, guys like myself, we we sit there in front of the news and watch it all day long so we can spend a couple of hours with you trying to disseminate it all and make sense of it all and weed through all of the garbage, the fake news and what's real and what's not, and come away with some semblance of truth in it all, and then add to that the fact that we need to try and line it up with Scripture and find out how we are to respond What is our role and responsibility in all of this as uh, children of the Most High, as young brothers and sisters of our elder brother? How do you make sense of it all? So, you know, you walk away from all of this, and you quickly realize that in order to have a semblance of sanity in one's life, you can't watch the news. I find... Well, let's put it this way. You know, social media I use almost exclusively just to give friends and family a a snapshot of what's going on in our lives, right? We live in some amazing country. I've got some horses. I've got some amazing mountains, and it's just a unique place. And so the rest of my family enjoys getting snapshots of our children and what we do and the fun that we have. And it's it's that kind of approach that I've taken to social media, limited at best. I got, I got to tell you, I find myself turning on the news for about two hours, and boy, it takes about two days of that, and my head is about to explode. And then I break my own rule, and uh, I violate my own conscience, and I end up throwing something up on social media that probably shouldn't have, but I did. And uh, about every eight months, I'll, I'm good for a, I'm good for a rant on my on my Facebook page, and and that's like okay, I I got to walk away from the news, I got to get back on my horse, I got to hang out with my girls again, and I've got to go back to doing life. 
And so when Craig asked me if I would fill in for a couple of days, it's like, oh, I asked him, I said, what, you got a camera around here? You notice I've been watching news again? Of course, with everything going on, it's a bit hard not to, but here we are. So uh, you get me for a couple of days, and Lord have mercy, stupid is as stupid does, (laughs) where do do people come up with some of the things that I find myself, uh, let's, let's, okay, here we go, please, stick out your big left toe, we're going to start with your left toe, okay, I'm going to step on your big left toe. Face masks. Really? Really? Face masks? Come on. You know, I I mean I I I watch how virologists work with viral issues in a lab. Big thick gloves, secure suits. I mean, they almost look like they're going to go up into space. But uh oh yeah, you know, a tie a handkerchief around your nose, it's just as good. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, people go, well, it's not about you. It's about the people around you. Don't you care about the people around you? Yes, I do care about the people around you. That's why I've always coughed into my hands or the crook of my elbow, which up until about three months ago seemed to be quite good for everybody. Nobody gave it a second thought. If I find it is bad and I do know I've got something, then I'm coughing into my hands, my handkerchief, my Kleenex, or the crook of my arm in my bedroom sequestered from everybody else because I know that I'm sick, and so I'll keep it away from you. I've always been that conscientious. Well, you're just not a team player. You're right. I'm not, at least for your team. And by the way... If it is about other people, why are you driving around in your car with a mask on with nobody else in your car? What other people are you thinking about? It just it drives me nuts. They sit there and they say, well, you got to think about other people. And then they put their mask on, get in their car and drive away. Now, you're not concerned about other people. What, what are you? I would love to know what you're concerned about. Oh, but here we see now I'm already biting into the time of our our guest coming up here in just a moment. And I I probably should not do that. Um, (laughs) Oh, we're going to have fun. It's it's nuts. So that's the coronavirus issue. Uh, Something much more tangible, hitting far closer to home. And in my mind, something that carries a little bit more significance and weight to it. Although, in my mind, not the way you would probably think. And that is the recent racial tensions that have been going on in this country of ours. And I've, I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, I, and we'll talk about this tomorrow night, God willing, all right, with a couple of guests that uh, I believe will be joining us tomorrow night. I, I really struggle with this. I really struggle with the thought and the idea that I'm being lumped in with a group of other people just like a bunch of police officers being lumped in with the guy who kneels down on Floyd until Floyd no longer can breathe. 
That's the act of one man. We take the act of one man and we decide that every man that wears the uniform is just like him. And I'm sorry, but they're not. They're just not. And I'm not like him. I I wasn't raised in the South. I was raised in Southern California, 60s and 70s. And oh boy, the 70s. Jimi Hendrix was the man. He was the bomb diggity. This guy had it going on. It was Jimmy. We didn't have that kind of thinking. I wasn't raised with that kind of thinking growing up. It never was an issue with me. I'll tell you what it was an issue. And if, you can, if, if you'll give me some time, and especially tomorrow night, and if you'll hear me out, in my mind, it's never, never, never been about color, but always about character. As early as I can remember as a child, I can remember what was right and what was wrong. We were always taught that. But see, I come from a time when truth was not relative. It was black and white. See, we've raised a generation of truth being relative. And it's what you make it. And I think therein lies part of our problem. But again, we'll talk about that as the night progresses and again tomorrow night here on Lifeline. It is Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts tonight. Such a delight to be with you. And I do pray you'll stay with us as we learn a bit more about what this world has to offer you and I as it swirls around us in chaotic fashion. Tonight, my guest, Joe Murray. Be back in just a moment. If you know Joe, <laughs> oh, we're going we're gonna have some fun tonight. Joe will join us in just a few minutes. And then a dear friend of mine, he is the founder and president of Center for Cultural Leadership. You can read all about him at ChristianCulture.com or DocSandlin.com. Andrew Sandlin will be my guest in hour number two tonight. And he will join us to talk about our current culture and just exactly what the influence our church should be about. And are we up to the task? That's all tonight on Lifeline. Thank you for joining us. We've got to take a quick time out, a check of your traffic here on Lifeline. Pay some bills and we'll be back. It's off to the KFAX Traffic Center with a look And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. It's Lifeline, Andy Froyland, and for Craig Roberts today. And joining us now, as promised, uh, a good friend of the program, a good friend of mine, constitutional lawyer, reporter uh, at Hal, and uh, uh, just a great thinker extraordinaire. Uh, Joe Murray joins us. Joe, welcome to the program. It- Andy, you are too kind. I tell you what, that, that is just a glowing introduction. I think I need to put that on uh, record. <laughs> uh, you, uh, put that on your, yeah, your phone message when, when, when you don't exactly. answer your phone. <laughs> You're yeah. going to make my ego get too big. <laughs> Joe extraordinaire yeah. here. Can't get to the phone yeah. right now, but do leave your number. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I was telling Craig 
when he asked me to fill in, I, I, I have to stay away from the news. Otherwise, my head explodes and I've got to yeah. barf all over social media. And that's I hate that. I just I hate yeah. it. To, I hate barfing on social media. It's just, you know, yeah. I'd rather post pictures of my horses and my girls and just have fun. So when I'm yeah. on Lifeline here, I get to I get to barf on the air. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there. I was talking to our uh, producer Wanda, and I thought, who? If if I had to barf with one person on the air, it's got to be Joe. Um, you and I can we can create a barf fest when it comes to politics, like nobody's business. And sure enough, uh, the the news cycle does not disappoint. I, you know, we've got school choice, abortion, Biden, Russian bounties, cancel culture, uh, uh, mask gate. Where would you like to start, brother? How would you how would you like to get this party started, man? Well, you know what? I just had to, before we get started, I just had to laugh because when you're saying the bar fest, I just want to say Linda Blair has nothing on us. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> and I know some of the audience might not get the reference, but that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> of before we get started. No. But, uh, you, you know what? Let's play a little game of Russian roulette. Why don't we start with the Russian uh, bounty? Let's let's go for it. So now, for folks who haven't been watching the news, you know, trusting us yeah. for for the wisdom. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is now. I was I was looking at the news, reading stuff yesterday. This is new, but it's not new. Uh, yeah. so, so the story goes that Russia has been uh, paying bounties to Taliban and other bad guys in the Middle East to kill Americans. Uh, and again, this is, uh, this, is, this is new to the latest news cycle, but there's some strong hints that this has been around for a long time, at least uh, going back into another presidency, right? Yeah, no, there is. I mean, if you look at what's going on, and, and you know, we have to go through the party line first, which says... There was no credible evidence to support this assertion. But let's let's talk about why there was even an assertion, uh, you know, especially back in 2018, 2019, um, when U.S. forces would be raiding some Taliban uh, headquarters and locations. They were finding large amounts of currency and, and it appeared to be Russian currency. Uh, so there was concern as to why Taliban fighters would have large amounts of Russian currency. Uh, so I think there was some type of digging going place, both in the DOD and the Pentagon, and they were trying to figure out, and, you know, as uh, Jerry Maguire, not show me the money, but follow the money. Uh, right. And I think let's just pause here for a second. So we have a situation where there's an ongoing investigation. So let's just assume right now that everything we know is, is somewhat valid. And you and I both know that in today's day and age, you can never trust what is said by either conservative media, liberal media, you know, hokey pokey media, whatever it is, because right. we're back to the revolutionary days where I think a lot of places have admitted bias. But let's just assume the facts that we have right now. Let's go back to my attorney days, assume the facts and evidence. Um, so there is something there. And there is also evidence that that government officials were trying to track that down. So what the New York Times and the alleged source has done at this time, Craig, is it has put Russia on notice that we were somewhat on to them. And what do you think Russia is going to do right now? The shredding machines are, are in high gear, oh. uh, if they even use them anymore. Uh, but <laughs> Russia is going to be covering its tracks. Right. So if this story is true, 
if there was a Russian bounty, if the U.S. government was looking into it, all of which is, is pretty much there, this story by the New York Times and whoever leaked it actually put us in more jeopardy because now Russia has the ability to hide its evidence. Yeah, it's like it's like announcing a search warrant an hour before you get there. Uh, it's you're not going to find anything now. So, uh, you know, and I think there's there's a legitimate concern whether or not the evidence is credible. And that is what the president is saying. But I said, either way, you slice this, you slice this. There, there's troubling concern because there seems to be no desire for the truth. It's all the desire to score political points. And here we go again with what is this, Russia point, what, 4.0 or 5.0? I can't, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember how many Russian stories yeah. we have. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, so you're right. I mean, this is a political move, to, uh, to say the least. Um, it's, a, it's, a, uh, uh, it's a cycle where we've got an election coming up, and it's the big one. Are we going to get Trump for another four years? So they're pulling out all the stops. That said, let's just let's follow the rabbit trail a little bit and see where you know see where uh, see where Alice goes. Say we find a smoking gun, what do we do? What happens? Well, you know that's that's a great question, and I think if there is a smoking gun, we already are on pretty pretty flimsy relationship with Russia at this point. Um, there's definitely. Sanctions. I don't think anybody has the stomach for a war with Russia. We could ask for censure at the U.N. There are a number of diplomatic steps that can be done. But, you know, even there, I doubt we're going to get a lot of uh, support in NATO. And it's not because NATO doesn't like Trump. That might be part of it. But, you know, Russia basically supplies natural gas to all of Western Europe. And Western Europe has to be very careful with how it deals with Russia because one switch of the uh, switch uh, one flip of the switch, and you know what? They have no energy. Yeah. So, yes, we have to be very careful with how we deal with this, which is why before you make such accusations, you better have the proof. And one of the problems that we have now, Craig, is what we call the believability factor. We just talked about it a few seconds ago. I think the problem we have is that we've had so much in the news about Russia and about Trump and about Putin that I think the American people are battle-weary. Uh, in the sense that you don't, even if this is true, let's say, for example, this is the true story. Uh, I don't know if people are going to believe it, not because they're blind to Trump. It's just that you can only take so much in the news about the same narrative, only different facts. It's always Russia, Trump, and then this. Right. And I think that has been the biggest failure of the media, that rather than vet their stories, it's something comes into the newsroom and it's just thrown onto the internet and onto the web for people to read and people get desensitized. Yep. It's, it's like everything else. So even if this is true, the, the boy has cried wolf so many times that people just don't believe it anymore. Right, exactly. And, and really, you know, you think about it, you look at everything that uh, has been pumped out there by the media, you would think that there would be a real concern about potential loss from, from our troops and and if this is actually even true, why are we not talking about that? But instead, the the key talking points to this whole story, and this is what drives me nuts, we have no concern about our troops. The big concern, when was Trump 
notified of this, and when was he yeah. briefed in on this, and and who's being briefed and when and why, and and no, nobody's been briefing him yet, and oh yes he has, oh no he hasn't, and and it's all about yeah. briefing. I mean, come yeah. on, really? We're we're missing the forest for the trees here. And that is, you know, that is where it just boggles the mind because if you have U.S. soldiers that were killed because bounties were put on their heads by a foreign government, it is an act of war. Uh, whether or not you follow it through, that's a different story. But if you are in an act of war, it used to be the old uh, the old adage that if, you know, the politics stops at the water's edge, that you're going to rally together if someone is attacking you. And I was watching Nancy Pelosi uh, talk about this, and her response was, I don't know what Putin has on Trump. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, Let's just assume, again, the facts and evidence, if we just assume them as they are, written by the Times. The folks in Moscow had an orchestrated effort to attack U.S. troops, and rather than have a universal condemnation of Russia, we have a universal condemnation in this country of the president by half of the people in another political party. So, I mean, I think you have to – Nancy Pelosi could very well have those concerns, but again – We've become so accustomed, and I'm not saying it's just the Democrats. There's people on the Republican side that do it as well. But we're just so accustomed now of just basically lofting out allegations without any factual basis and then just saying, okay, you know, well, I don't have to worry about the facts. I just have to <laughs> say it and see what sticks. Exactly. It's throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think when that happens, yeah, that makes us weaker in terms of national security because our potential foes are looking at us and they're like, these people are nuts. Yeah, <laughs> Look at them. They're, they're destroying their own. Um, so I think that is a valid concern. Yeah. Joe Murray is our guest here tonight on Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. We have to take a quick time out. When we come back, more news headlines and the silliness that surrounds it all. We're just trolling for stupid, I guess, around here. Right now, let's uh, take a time out and go check your traffic. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center now with a And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts tonight. My guest is Joe Murray, constitutional lawyer, uh, pen extraordinaire, uh, former writer for a, a variety of newspapers and uh, uh, op-eds, things of that nature. Uh, a sharp guy when it comes to politics. And we're just taking a look at the current news cycle to find out what's going on. And I want to turn a page and go to mask gate this joe if if there is one thing that has been driving me nuts for the past 3 months is these stupid uh, i've got to be careful there's words i'd like to use i can't use those words on radio uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't I, I, I can't use those words anyway. But, uh, man, I tell you, the whole idea of this mask thing. In fact, I, I had taken my mother to see her cardiologist yesterday and her cardiologist, who I hold in high regard. Uh, you know, my mom is having a hard time breathing because you've got to wear the mask when you go inside the, uh, you know, the office. And he's going, well, you know, my mask takes uh, protects you and your mask protects me. And all the while I'm thinking, dude. All of those, all of those documents on your wall to say just how smart you really are, and you work on hearts, and you're a cardiologist, and you're a brilliant man, and you just spewed out some of the most 
stupidest words a smart man could ever say. My mask protects you, and your mask protects Really? So these, these flimsy little paper masks only go one way? This drives me nuts. And then, and then yesterday, we even have uh, a bunch of Republicans who are coming out going, now, if Trump would wear a mask, what is going on? Are, are, are we, are we going to be mask-ridden the rest of our lives here in the States simply because people have this feel-good moment that something so useless as this piece of paper over your mouth is actually going to work? We're going to call this the mask industrial complex is, is what we're going to call it. Uh, but, uh, but no, Andy, I think, I think what's going on here um, is, is a, a couple of things. You know, I think people are looking for a sense of security, any sense of security. And I think that the mask seems to provide that, if, if anything, visually. And, uh-huh. and like I said, I can't sit here. I'm not a doctor. I'm right. not going to sit here and say whether it works or not. I, I'm going to use a little bit of common sense. And one of the things that, that frustrates me when I wear a mask is if I have my glasses on, they as soon as I up. have the mask on, I get fogged up. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, what is causing them to be fogged up? It's my breath coming out of the mask. Yeah. So if my breath is coming out of my mask to fog the glasses, then obviously it's coming out to uh, get to the rest of the world. Now, look, I understand the counter argument. Well, I'd rather have a little get out than the full Monty, so to speak, right. uh, of your whole breath. But I think the studies, and this is, this is what's interesting, is that while studies have gone back and forth on this, I don't think there's been any study that has conclusive evidence. And I think it was uh, Congressman Briggs down in Arizona had did an interview where he said, look, that even the studies that say you should wear the mask, they said there is no 100% certainty. So it takes me back to the Spanish flu because you've been seeing that on the Internet a lot, and especially in, in your neck of the woods in San Francisco where the mask ordinance was pretty intense after the war effort because, Andy, what happened was before uh, the war ended, everybody in this country was wearing masks because it was kind of sold as a war effort. You know, wear the mask, don't get yeah. the troops sick, we need it's, the troops yeah. to be healthy. So everybody – it was a sort of patriotic duty during the Spanish flu. We had to wear the mask to keep the troops safe. Um, so whether it worked or not, because back then uh, the mask was gauze, which was even more porous than what we have today. So, yeah. again, I don't know the, the, the actual workings of these masks, but people wore it. But as soon as the war ended, that sense of patriotic duty had, had kind of given way to that rugged individualism that this country is known for, and, and people weren't wearing it. And in San Francisco, uh, where they had the strictest ordinance post-World War I, um, People are frustrated because you always see on the Facebook now, you see the Anti-Mask League. And, and yeah. people understand the reason that was formed was because it was a do as I say, not do as I do. The police commissioner, the mayor, they were at a boxing match. And all of them were photographed without masks on during this. It was yeah. their ordinance that they pushed. They're not wearing the mask. And at one point, and I, and I forget the actual uh, – the, the, complete facts about it, but the, one of the guys that was charged with enforcing the mask actually shot and killed somebody who refused to wear a mask in, in San Francisco. So there was a lot going on there. It wasn't just people saying, I'm not wearing a mask. And I think that's what people are feeling frustrated here about. It, it, you see, uh, basically, in some of these leadership circles where it's okay to gather and not wear a mask and where they're saying that you have to. And I think it's sort of a double standard that people are seeing. And I think people are getting frustrated. And I think people that don't want to wear the mask have valid health reasons 
But nobody wants to talk about that, especially if you're asthmatic and you have respiratory yeah. issues. Wearing a mask is is very much danger, not dangerous, but it's uncomfortable. So what does this all boil down to? We kind of went around the world in, in less than 80 days. Uh, it boils down to, I think, that you have people that are trying to cling to some sense of security. You have a government that's trying to, to get people calmed down. But then you also have that sense of rugged individualism that's going on in this country all over something we have no idea whether it works or not. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, my thought is, look, if you're looking for a little security, go find a blanket. It worked for Linus. Everything was fine with him. He, he led a normal yeah. life. You can, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, and then, of course, you, you're, you're online and you look at social media and all of the memes. And I, I, there was one, some, somebody actually put out there a picture of a Petri dish that was clean, and then a picture of a Petri dish yeah. with all kinds of spots on it. This Petri dish was was coughed on with a mask. This Petri dish was coughed on without a mask. I, 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 oh, I, I couldn't help myself, Joe. <laughs> you know, well, well, it, it, answer not it, a fool it, lest part... you become a fool. Answer a fool lest you become a fool. My thought was, all right, well, so at what point... Uh, have you assumed that I have stopped coughing into my the crook of my arm, my handkerchief, yep. or my hands? And yeah, yeah. it just, it's like, really? And, and what really drives me nuts, Joe, yep. people who say, well, I'm doing this because I love you and I care about you. And then they get in their car and they drive off with their mask on. Yeah, yeah. Or, or my favorite is is when the mask is below the nose. Yeah, when everybody yeah, walks around yeah. with it just covering the mouth. Yeah, uh, and and I and I kind of laugh on that, but it, because it just you know again it's that sense of empty symbolism that's out there. And, and my biggest fear with this whole thing is is going to the food store and touching groceries that I don't know who have picked up and put back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and the mask isn't going to help me with that. No, uh, you know. It, 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 and that's my concern because even I find myself touching my face a heck of a lot more with my mask on than with my mask off because it constantly slides down my nose or yeah. or I have to readjust my glasses because they've gotten too foggy or I don't wear my glasses at all and then I'm Mr. Magoo kind of just bouncing around Walmart <laughs> knocking things over. Uh, so, I mean, but I guess what I've seen is the is it's kind of the zealotry that we've seen with people that are not wearing masks uh, and, and honestly, what I think should be happening with masks is, look, the federal government has absolutely zero authority to to mandate masks on well, its own. Now, they can attach it to yeah. some type of money bill that, or they can try to put it into right. a funding. They can do it that way indirectly. But the federal government cannot just come out and say everybody in this country wears masks because the Tenth Amendment says that issues such as public health belong to the states. Here's my thought. My thought process is this. Let's say you own a store and I own a store, uh, Andy. Okay. Right. What we're going to say is that in your store, you say everybody wears a mask. In Andy's Andy's big surplus store, everybody has to wear a mask. In Joe's big surplus store, uh, it's voluntary. The market's going to determine who goes where. If you are genuinely concerned about your health and you feel more comfortable in a store where everybody wears masks, they're going to Andy's store. Right. If you're not that concerned, you might go to Joe's store. So, and I think that the market, and I think people forget, the market has a way of handling these things, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like American Airlines. They just said that they're going to be filling their planes chock full of people, everyone shoulder to shoulder. If I fly, which I probably won't in the near future, but if I did, I would not fly American Airlines at this point. 
But that's that business's right to make that decision. And yeah. then as a consumer, you have the right to decide whether you agree and support that decision. You don't need the government telling you what to do and how to do it. That is the beauty of how our framers put us together. I uh, Man, it's... But see, here's the other thing, and uh, I'm up against the clock, so we'll have to put a bookmark okay. and, and deal with it on the other side of our break here. The political side of this, where now even Republicans are coming out going, oh, if Trump would only wear a mask, you know, MAGA is now masks are great again. And it's the political side of this is what really drives me nuts. And the fact that so many of us actually buy into this kind of stuff. So uh, bookmark. We're going to take a break, pay some bills, check some traffic, and come back and continue the conversation. Joe Murray, my guest tonight here on Lifeline. It's Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. Let's head over to the KFX Traffic Center now. for. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. Joe Murray joining us here tonight. We're just kind of dissecting some of the headlines that... We find in the news, trying to make sense of it all and uh, trying to bring some clarity to a lot of false narratives that they want to try and shove down your throat. And hopefully we're giving you something to think about. Joe, just before the break, we were talking about mask gate and uh, the, the, the joys of masks. And do they work? Don't they work? Why do they work? Um, do we really do we I've, I, I, and this drives me nuts too as 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 one who uh is a pastor from from eons ago and who has some theological uh oomph behind him or at least underneath him or I did at one point this whole notion that uh we really all of a sudden out of the blue three months ago flipped a light switch and decided that we really did care about our fellow man and our next door neighbor and we really do want to i want to wear a mask to take care of you can, can <laughs> yeah, you buy that, that? that as we were hoarding yeah, that as we were hoarding toilet paper <laughs> and lysol and bounty but we're gonna wear a mask oh, yeah. i'm not gonna let you have toilet paper but you, you can wear it. i will yeah. wear the mask that's yeah, my toilet I, paper don't you dare touch it but let me wear a mask so you don't get sick <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, uh, and, and you know what? And, and I think it, it, it's some type of an, of an idea where it's like, yeah, we can, you can care for someone Now, honestly, the way you, that I want people to care for me is to say six feet apart. Uh, I know that's probably an arbitrary number, but that yeah. sounds good enough to me. And I think that is going to do a heck of a lot more to keep me safe than you being, you know, six inches from me with a mask. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, you know, so if I was going to do a trade and if you really wanted to care for me, you know, just keep your six feet dif- uh, distance and I'll be, I'll be a happy camper and just cover your mouth, as you said in the last segment. Right. And I think you'll keep me just as safe as if you were on top of me with a mask, which, it, yeah. you know, in some instances, you, that's what I'm seeing now. People are on top of each other. They are almost shoulder to shoulder and they're wearing a mask. And that's my concern with the mask is that masks are going to give people a false sense of security. They get closer and it's going to basically defeat the purpose. So I think that we have to have an honest conversation. If you want extra security, wear a mask, but stay six feet apart. A mask does not give you a license to break that six foot requirement. Yeah. And and see, this is, this is the other thing that, you know, if, if, if we're trying to follow the logic, we certainly cannot do so with this issue right here, because if, if it does, prevent this virus from getting to you, 
then why doesn't it prevent the virus from getting to me if you breathe on me and I breathe that with a mask? Why does this mask, A, work only one way? And how does it work so well inside your car when you're alone? Why do you feel you? Well, again, we're looking at security, I guess. Yeah. But then the other thing Uh, is it it all assumes, Joe, that that I have it. Well, I've I've got to wear this because I have it and I need to protect you from it. Well, if you've got it, what are you even doing outside? Right? Yeah. And and that's. And that's the thing. And I know they'll say, well, asymptomatic, but you have no idea. I mean, the thing is, life goes on. Uh, and, and like I said, we can take steps to keep each other safe. But there's not a let's put it this way. It's not a black or white issue. We can take steps outside of the mask to keep ourselves safe. Right. We can use a mask. We can use social distancing. There are many ways that you can do it. And I think you nailed it on the head as we were leaving the previous segment is that this has become more of a political, political issue, thing, not right. just for, yeah. yeah, yeah, not just with people saying I'm not wearing a mask because I'm an American. I don't have to do something that that you tell me to do. Look, that's in our DNA. No matter how we slice it, that's who we are. We are contrarians that we are a contrarian people. And that's a good thing at point at times. Yeah. But I think the other thing is it's being used political to say if you don't wear a mask, then you're a grandma killer. And, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, so I think it has been polarized. And I think that is why you see these Republican leaders come out saying we of only Trump would wear a mask, yeah. because it reminds me back in the 90s when I was in high school and we had the environmental concerns. And you had Al Gore saying that Republicans were poisoning the drinking water, I think is what he said. I can't I, I'm paraphrasing because, you know, memory is the uh, the what is it? The first thing, the second thing to go. I just can't remember the first. So my memory is not as good as it used to be. But I remember Al Gore either accused Republicans of t- contaminated drinking water or are depriving school children their lunches. It, it's a fear. Uh, it's a fear aspect because if you're not wearing a mask now, then Democrats can accuse Republicans of trying to kill Americans because they're not wearing a mask to protect against the virus. So it's that political conversation that kind of has distorted this. And it's kind of turned us against each other again. And that's the recurrent theme that I have seen over the last few years is that very rarely have our leaders on both sides work to bring us together. It's always turning us against each other, even in a pandemic. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, it just boggles your mind because it used to be that sometimes the biggest things, whether it be a war, a pandemic, you name it, we would come together during that time period. And even during a pandemic, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer cannot bring themselves to work with the president. They did it briefly on that first stimulus package, and part of it was because it was such a big dollar sign. But, I mean, after that, have you seen anybody work together after that? It was like that one flickering image of cooperation, and then it just broke right down again. So more than our health, it's it's all about optics when McConnell and Thune and, and Barrazzo get yeah. out there and say, oh, uh, P- President, you, you need to be wearing a mask. They're just trying to head head off the Democrats at the pass from giving, you know, coming out with another excuse why you don't want to vote for Republicans, right? But you know what? And the thing is, the moment, and this is why President Trump is in a catch-22, is the moment he puts on a mask, they'll probably say he's weak, he's not a strong leader, it's just like he wasn't back in the bunker. So, I mean, he he is literally damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, because, and I understand why a leader would not want to wear a mask. You're trying to lead your country and show an image of strength. You put a mask on, you're not going to do that. And if he puts a mask on and it's crooked, or if it doesn't look right, 
he's going to be a punchline for the next uh, three or four news cycles. So, I mean, it's really yeah. a lose-lose situation for him. It is, but then considering, and this is, this is where we turn a corner. Now watch this transition, Joe. You know, <laughs> you're right. It is uh, considering all that's going on, but with with the guy running against him in this election cycle, does he really have a problem? I mean, when you've got a guy who more often than not needs a drool bucket just to walk through his day, uh, I, even his own people. I, I, I'm, I'm reading this. 20% of voters in his own party think Biden has dementia. Has he been sniffing the, yeah. the hairspray too much? <laughs> yeah. How do you... I mean, it, it... You're, you're, and Biden has not helped himself. Let, let's be honest. He has not helped himself. Let's, no, he hasn't. I'm not, like, like I said, I'm not a medical doctor. I, I cannot diagnose, but I can observe because, you know, as, as political junkies as we are sometimes, because I like you, I have to detox every now and then. But if I'm just watching this, because it makes me flash back to 1996, imagine if Bob Dole was acting the same way Joe Biden was in 1996. Yeah. You can't tell me that there would have been a big hoopla as to his competency. Um, and, and I think there is issues. I mean, whether or not it's, look, I've grown up with Joe Biden. I was from New Jersey originally. He was the Senator from Delaware. We were used to Joe Biden's, uh, antics and sometimes inability to articulate what he wanted to say, but this seems to be a little different. Um, and he, his ability to not leave his basement or his house, I think is sheltered from that. Uh, I, I really can't believe the poll numbers right now because right now the election is Donald Trump versus basically Donald Trump and the media. Yeah. Um, but I think once Biden emerges, emerges and he has to, uh, at one point we hope he has to, to debate, I think that is when we actually get an accurate feel of the election. Uh, I think when Biden picks his running mate, because I, I'm not even if we take the whole uh, health fitness ability out of it. I think if you look at his age, people are going to look to see who he chose and think, okay, would I be happy with that person as president? Uh, And part of me thinks that the the left of his party is going to pull him so far to the left that he might put someone there that's a little bit outside the mainstream. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be done that the media is going to have to cover even begrudgingly when we get there. But I think the key is, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, my prediction is the Biden campaign is going to try to minimize the debates as best as possible, because I think that is going to be a, a Waterloo moment for the Biden campaign, because the Joe Biden I see in these planned sessions, I don't know is going to be able to go toe to toe with Donald Trump, who, regardless of what you think of him, can really unnerve you on the debate stage. Oh yeah, yeah. He he pulls no punches, man. He is a he's a New York bully when he gets into that pulpit. Let me tell you. All right, yeah. I've got to take. And, and, go, and ahead. Of, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, part of me wonders because when I look at Biden on the campaign trail before this, when he was in the face of the people in uh, the auto worker in Detroit, where he was literally yelling and pointing at the guy, when he berated somebody out in Iowa during the campaign. Part of me wonders, will Biden be able to comp- keep his composure? <laughs> Hillary Clinton always kept her composure. Yes. She, you could see she was irritated, but she oh. kept the poise and she tried to go at I don't know if Joe Biden's going to be able to do that just from basic uh, past previous experiences that I've seen him on the campaign trail. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I, I just don't see him doing that. And I don't know how that's going to play with the American public. 
All right. Another time out. We'll continue the conversation. Boy, this uh, time flies when you're having fun, or as the frog said, time's fun when you're having flies. Either way, it's going by way too quick, Joe. So um, we're going to take a quick time out, pay some bills, check some traffic, come back and continue our conversation with Joe Murray, our guest tonight here on Lifeline. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center with another look at that commute.